Amen. Thank you, Radiette. You can grab a seat. So good. So good to be together in worship. We're really grateful we can be and are. What a gift. I'm Forrest. I haven't met you, one of the campus pastors here. Radiette is our graduate assistant ministry intern for diversity, equity, and inclusion ministry. Yeah, we, yes, you can give Radiette a clap. <laughs> She's wonderful. We on campus ministry staff will be delighted to meet you. So if you haven't met some of us, we're all here. Uh, after, after chapel, grab us, say hi. Meet us, Steffi or Lauren or Radiette, um, Gibson. Be excited to meet you. Family resemblance. Can you think of someone you know who has a really strong family resemblance? Maybe with a parent or a brother or a sister or a mom. Can you think of someone? In my life, I have a strong family resemblance with someone um, that I hear anyway, and he's here right now because he's homeschooling, so he's visiting. River, will you come on up, my man? This is my son, River. And I hear, come on up here. We don't have to social distance. We're part of the same family. So I hear, you want to take your mask down? There you go. So I hear that we have a little bit of a family resemblance. What do you all think? (laughs) And the other thing River told me, we also have family resemblance in our names because people get us mixed up, forest and river. And we have a family resemblance in what else? What's the thing you really like to do a lot? Um, build stuff. <laughs> and what do you want to be when you grow up? An engineer. An engineer. Our dad has studied engineering in undergrad. We have that family resemblance too. All kinds of family resemblances we realized, huh? Well, so family resemblance is something that we, get, we all know. We've seen in different ways. And today, Jesus' word to us has to do with family resemblance. What does it look like to be people who live in God's family? And there's a family resemblance that we're going to unpack today. Thank you, River, for coming up and being here today. This family resemblance comes from Luke chapter 6. This semester, we're talking to Luke about this embodied following of Jesus, ways that we follow Jesus in embodied ways, ways that make a difference in how we live and act in the world. And Jesus is coming to us with this word to a people who he knows are, things are muddled up, messed up, not the way they're supposed to be. And I think that world could also look a lot like our world. We know, looking at our world right now, things are messed up, mucked up, not the way they're meant to be, the way they're meant to be particularly on one area. It's an area that's touchy. It's, it's, it's going to make people nervous. But I think it, I've heard that students want to wrestle with real topics. Is that true? You want to think about really how Jesus meets us in the, the real stuff of the world. Is that, that true? Not just the fluff, the easy stuff. So we're going to talk about politics. When we talk about politics and Jesus and what do we do in this world when we feel so confused and, and conflicted with all that's going on, this presidential debates, the name-calling, the personal attacks, President Trump not, con- not condemning racial injustice, Biden telling things that aren't true about Trump, we have people get, Trump gets sick, President Trump gets sick and people are celebrating this, celebrating as if that's something, that, that, that they're hating as human being that God made all kinds of horrible things going on. And then even just looking at us as the people of God, the Christians in this country, we often look just like the world, just like everybody else. So um, we often have more in common with 
people who have the same color skin or the same political stance or the same uh, socioeconomic status, we have more in common with them than we do with our brothers and sisters in Christ, the people of the family of God. How is this all supposed to work? I think Jesus has a word for us today from Luke chapter 6. So let's, let's go there. Let's go there. Jesus says in Luke 6, this is the Sermon on the Plain, as, in this, uh, as Luke brought together some of these different teachings of Jesus on, the, on a flat place. But I say to you that, listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. And so Jesus gives us this challenging word. Love your enemies. Give without expecting return. Be generous. Turn the other cheek. Wow, what a challenging word. What a challenging word. I mean, how can we actually do it? How can we actually love our enemies? How can we love our enemy, thinking politically, how can we love that person who we think is so wrong and is believing all the wrong things, supporting all the wrong things? How can we possibly do that? How can we love that, that person in our hall? They're in our crew, but we sure wish they weren't. That We have to put up with them, and there are ways they do things again and again and again, and what's going on in the bathroom and the stuff they leave there, and the way that my, my roommates aren't, they keep putting their dirty dishes in the sink, and how do I love my enemies in that space, or my enemies around the world, whatever group we decide, how could we possibly do this? Well, Jesus says, there's something that doesn't start with us. It doesn't start with our own resources. It starts with God. We can't love our enemies on our own. There's no way, but it starts with God. It comes at the end of the passage. Did you hear it? Be merciful just as who? Just as your Father is merciful. Be merciful as your Father God is merciful. The mercy, the ability to love our enemies, begins with God. God is the first merciful one. Remember in Romans 5.8, if, if we ever forget or question what is God's attitude towards us like? God is the one who, while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. And in that way, God demonstrated his love. God showed us he loves us by dying for us while he were, we were his enemies. God loves his enemies and reconciled us to God through the cross. God acts first in mercy. God is a merciful God to us. And not only merciful of the cross, so that's the pinnacle of it, but also merciful in his provision. Jesus says, remember, God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. 
God is generous, providing for the ungrateful and the wicked, the rain and the sun and the air on all, including us. Us who straight-arm God, us who say, no thanks, God. Us who make choices that hurt God and hurt others. God says, I'm going to keep caring for you, providing for you, sustaining you. God is merciful and generous first. God is merciful and generous. God gives to us first. This is who God is. This God, this merciful and generous God, then frees us to look like him. He frees us to be his family members. We know that in Christ, as we trust Jesus, we now have the spirit of the living God in us, the one who cries out, Abba, Father. Abba, Daddy, Father. We're now part of the family of God. We're co-heirs with Christ. We actually become united with Christ, part of the family of God. We and our truest identity is beloved sons and daughters in Jesus. This is our identity that will last beyond life into death and into resurrection. Beloved sons and daughters, we're part of the family of God. As the family of God, now we have a family resemblance. And Jesus says, the Holy Spirit of God allows you, provides for you to be merciful just as your Father is merciful. To be generous just as your Father is generous. And in so doing, God will reward you. God will provide the reward even if you don't get it in this world. The summary of this way of being in the world Jesus gives is the golden rule. This rule we know, but in, in Christian faith, it's different than other religions that often have the, the negative side. Don't do to others what, they, what you don't want them to do to you. Jesus puts it on the positive side. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Do to others as you would have them do to you. This is extremely challenging, especially when we think about doing it with our enemies, right? But somehow Jesus says, God's mercy and generosity frees us to actually do to others as we would have them do to, uh, to us. Think of it this way. When we receive mercy and generosity, we can now freely give it. We can now freely share it. You've been around someone who has had a, a, a rough past a rough go. They've, they've struggled with addiction. They've made some really bad choices. And yet they've come to know Jesus and come to know God's grace and forgiveness in their life. God's renewing, cleansing, and new creation. Do you know something about them? They're so not judgmental, right? They just extend mercy because they've tasted mercy. If we all really recognize how far away we are from God, how little we deserve God's love, we would be the same. All of us. Recognizing the brokenness, the darkness that we carry, and God says, I love you. It's like a, 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 a parent who's very generous to their children. That child is freely able to give. They just give things away, right? If you have friends like that, because they know that, that their parents are going to take care of them. There are downsides to that sometimes, but there are also pro- good sides that they can say, yeah, I- I'm all right. When we know our generous, loving Father, we now can give generously. We can give mercy. 
we can be free from judgment of our enemy and hatred towards them. Jesus goes on from this passage and, and gives a little illustration of this. One, maybe it's familiar if you've read. If not, read it today in Luke chapter 6, where he says, hey, don't judge each other or you'll be judged. And then he gives this, this hilarious picture. By the way, if you haven't realized that Jesus was hilarious, read the Bible and watch. He makes jokes. Hey, I'm going to call you Rock, Rocky, Peter, Rock. I got you, Rock. Here's another one. Jesus says, hey, who are you who are judging others? You were trying to take a speck out of someone else's eye when you got a log in your own eye. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that splinter out of your eye. I got it good. How could you possibly get that splinter out of someone else's eye, Jesus says, when you got a, you got a log in your own eye? First, take the log out of your own eye, get rid of it, and then maybe you can help someone take the speck out of their eye. This is a word from Jesus about judgment. This log is a judgment that we go around looking at others saying, Oh, uh, <laughs> look at that guy. Look at that gal. Can you believe it? Look at the things they don't care about. They don't care about immigration. They don't care about, they don't care about sex trafficking. Oh, look at her. She doesn't care about abortion. He doesn't care about refugees. Ugh. They don't care about racial justice. They don't care about personal morality at all. They don't care about LGBT rights. They don't care about masks and COVID. They don't care about the environment. They don't care about the poor. They don't care about socialism or capitalism or cultural Marxism. I'm so much better than they are. And we walk around with these logs in our eyes, looking down our nose at the other, the enemy, the political enemy, and we identify ourselves with whatever it is that we think is important. Often these things are important. They may be very important. But we have a log in our own eye. We get a log in our own eye. This judgment that prevents us from actually loving our enemy. Instead, we heap condemnation on them. We distance ourselves from them. We hate them. Howard Thurman, the great theologian from the early, early, the 1940s through 60s, he said that hatred destroys the hater. So when he wrote about how, what Jesus has to do for the, those who have, don't have rights, he said, one thing you do, don't hate. Because if you hate, it actually destroys you. When we hate others and say, oh, look at them, look at that political other. Look at that guy, that Trump supporter. Look at that Biden supporter. You know what it does? It destroys us. Jesus offers us a different way. He says the only way you'll be free to be fully human, to be right with God, to be the follower of Jesus we're made to be, is actually to love your enemy. And I will strengthen you to do that through the mercy of my Father for you. I'll free you to love your enemy, to see them as humans, to care for them. And in that enemy love, we find freedom from bondage. Freedom from the bondage, the destructive bondage of hatred. Freedom into love and humanness. And even more, as Jesus says here, you will be children of the Most High. You will be children of the Most High. The people of God, 
This is our true identity. Our identity politics isn't any one of these important issues, as important as they are. Our identity is as the children of God. Our identity going to this election is as the beloved sons and daughters, citizens of heaven, ones who are followers of Jesus, who are trying to live that out in embodied ways. And we may have, and we do have, different takes on how to do that best. How to best love our neighbor. How to best make things work in society that would allow for the flourishing of all and the things God cares about. We have different opinions in this, in this room right here, in this space. And yet, our identity is ones, is ones who are beloved by God, who receive God's mercy and extend God's mercy and love for our enemies. No matter what happens, no matter who wins that election, and that Wednesday after, we can love our enemies because our identity is as beloved children of God who have received God's mercy and are sent out to share that mercy. And so my question is, as the band comes up, who do we resemble? Do we resemble Jesus? Do we resemble a Jesus who hung on a cross and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do? When, they, when the criminals next to him heaped insults on him, he didn't strike back. He didn't hate. He returned hatred with love. Do we resemble the family of God, the God who mercifully comes to us in love, even though we don't deserve it? What is our family resemblance? And may it be that we as Christians would actually look different not just like the sinners who give to who give back to them, but we would look different, generously, humbly loving others, particularly our enemies. How would God use us? How would God change us? How would God change our community and our world if we just resemble our Father? May it be by God's Spirit. Let's stand and sing to Him now.